most believers know that we have a covenant with God. And uh, even in the Old Testament, the Jewish people knew that they had a covenant with God. They knew what God's word said to them. They knew that God was for them, not against them. And uh, one person who knew it very well was David. You're familiar with the story when David was going to fight Goliath. But I want to bring something to your attention this morning. David knew the covenant, but how many know that all the Jewish people, which would be Saul, who was in charge of the army, and all of the Israeli army knew that there was a covenant as well? They knew that. And yet, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10, it says this, that, And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Here is an enemy coming against them. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we won't turn there, but it says that when an enemy comes up against you, he says they will be defeated and run from you. This is God's word to the Israeli army. And yet, David, I mean Saul and the whole Israeli army was afraid. They were hiding. They wouldn't come out and face Goliath. But in verse 26, David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Um, the reason that's so important, uncircumcised, means somebody who's not in covenant with God. We have somebody who's not in covenant with God coming against us so there is no match. There is no really fight here. He is going to be defeated just because he's not in covenant with God. This is why this is important. We know that we have a covenant, but we need to make sure that we're not like the children of Israel and know that we have a covenant, but we really don't believe it. Amen. David believed it. And because he believed it, he said, man, this giant is no match for us for the children of God. And uh, so if you go on down to verse 44, the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. This is just a picture of how the devil talks. Man, I mean, that's kind of a scary thing to say. I'm going to feed your flesh. I mean, this message is almost R. It's not, well, it's probably not PG-13. It's probably R. This is a rated R message. He says, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the earth. Then David, he didn't just say, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> Verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Woo! The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you, take your head from you. There you go, rated R, right there. I'm going to cut your head off. He told him what he's going to do. I'm going to cut your, I'm going to remove your head from your carcass. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He's saying this, so I'm not just going to defeat you so people can say David defeats you. I'm going to defeat you so the world will know about our God who we serve. That's powerful. 
then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not solve or save with a sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. We need to know that there are things that are going to be bigger than us in the natural or the physical realm. But you have to know that you don't just combat these in your natural ability. You remember that Saul tried to give him his armor. That's trying to say, listen, now you can't just do this, you and God. You're going to need some help, physical. You're going to have to have some natural help. And you can also look at this as a way that how man gets to God his own way. And it just doesn't work. You have to go through Jesus. It's all about him. I said it's all about him. And David realized that. And so he says, no, this armor is not going to work. It's just going to be me and my covenant-keeping God. So we need to believe that. But I do believe this. The church, and I'm not just saying Rocky Mountain Family Church. I'm talking about the church around the world has not represented our Father rightly. Just let that sink in a minute. He is much better and greater than any of us can imagine. He is so good that we take it for granted when we say God. We sing that song, He's a Good, Good Father. I love that song, but I tell you what, He is so good that none of us can really wrap our hands around that. We haven't represented, because there's, there's some people who still believe God, who call themselves Christians, are still believing that God will put sickness on you, that God will take your child, that God will kill you, that God will, they don't say God will kill you, they just say that, you know, well, God took them. That's a polite way of saying God killed them. He murdered them. That would be breaking for those who believe in keeping the law. Thou shalt not murder. <laughs> Just a slight technicality there. But anyway, I'm saying that's a poor representation of our Heavenly Father. We can't, and listen, I'm not saying that to put people down because when I was raised in church, we believed that. And so you just know what you know. But this is one thing I do know, that the devil has been good at deceiving people. Deception. And... The good news is God doesn't, I mean, we're not, we believe that God didn't just come down and slap the snot right out of us. He just says, you know what you know. And his mercy is new every single morning. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is old covenant. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies our mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Because we used to think that if we sin or did something wrong, now judgment is coming to us because God is after us. This scripture is in the Old Covenant before Jesus even shed his blood and says he doesn't deal with us according to our sin. Are you, are you kidding me? He doesn't deal with me? No, he does not. 
That is such good news. How can that be? He's a good, good father. He is. He is so good. And listen to me. If there is one thing that you need, you ought to put this down in Facebook. You ought to put this down everywhere. That it's the revelation of the love of God that will elevate you above every single lie. Because you and I, there's not a person in here who has not believed some kind of lie. We've all believed lies. We've been deceived and you believe a lie. You believe, well, I don't, I'm not doing as good as I should. Man, I tell you what, I, I'm not praying enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not giving, and I'm not, and I'm not, and I just, oh. And there's a lie that you will believe. But I'll tell you what will destroy every lie in your life is having a revelation of the love of the Father for you. Not just God loves people, but He loves you. That will destroy every lie. It will elevate you above every single lie. It's the goodness of God. The goodness of God and the big... That's just how good and how big it is. Melody was reading this book. <clears throat> she told me this illustration. I love illustration. Little bitty boy. The father was explaining to this boy about God and how he was a lion. Represented as a lion. And then the, the hyena represented Satan, you know, and the demonic forces. And he said, do you think that hyena could affect that lion in any way, you know, like try to bite him or anything? No. But if he had a bunch, a bunch of friends, he could maybe. He says, that's a good point. Now picture that lion. This is where I'm going to interpret. Let's picture this lion as big as the city of Pueblo. Now just think in your mind like his paws are massive. Do you think if you had, and the hyena is the same size, do you think that hyena could maybe do something? He said, well, I can maybe bite his toe or something, okay? Let's just stretch this a little bit bigger. What if the lion was as big as the universe? And the earth would, wouldn't even be like the tip of his paw nail claw. Could a million hyenas do anything? No. This is the thing. We are in Christ. You, you, I don't think you got that. We are in the lion. Who is bigger than the universe. But we're just, we can't, I'm trying to draw a picture. This is what I'm trying to get you to see. When a sickness, when poverty, when anything comes against you, it's not just coming against you you know, five foot nine and a half redhead and, and wearing jeans. It's coming against the lion in your picture, the God who's the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords. And it's, it's, we don't know, we can't fathom how big he is. But you think uh, the flu or cancer or anything can come against something that big and have victory and have victory. It can come against me. Is it possible to have victory over something like that? Absolutely not. We have to think bigger. Man, the Lord told me, Mike, 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 he's so nice to me because you're really thinking small. I was praying. The city of Pueblo, Pueblo County, has approximately, it depends on 2010 uh, census, 
is we have more than that. But if you do some Google search, it's about 160,000, 162,000. We'll choose 160 for the Pueblo County. Chamber of Commerce and different statistics say 6% of the people of Pueblo County go to church. That's 9,600. We're going to round it off to 10 for numbers sake. So it's about 150,000 people who don't go to church in Pueblo. Of that 150,000, I know that there are people who are saved, going to go to heaven and know Jesus. They just don't go to church. But let's say, for a lack of better, let's even say, statistics may say 10 to 20%, but I'm going to even give it better than that. I'm going to say, let's say 50,000 of those people are saved. That leaves 100,000 people going to H-E-L-L. I was thinking for years as a pastor, for years as a pastor, you know, I just think we ought to have a church of a thousand. I'm telling you, we ought to reach a thousand people. And just recently, the Lord said, really? Really, Mike? Are you okay? God says, you okay with that, Mike? I said, you're right, Lord. But before I got this, before I got this, I thought, you're right, Lord. I, I, we should believe for this. Holy cow. Yeah, we should believe for that. Then that's when the Lord did this over here and showed me, you're okay. I'm not okay with that. God said, I'm not okay with that. He said, in Peter, it says, it's the will of God that none should perish. None. And I said, Lord, you're absolutely right. He says, Mike, you've got to think bigger. And so I, w I woke up at 4.30 this morning. Couldn't go back to sleep, so I got up to pray. <clears throat> and the Lord deals with me. He just deals with me in different ways. I was thinking about Pueblo. I started praying for Pueblo this morning. I got up and I started walking around the living room at 4.30 in the morning, praying for Pueblo. And I thought, you know, now if you're from Denver Springs, this is no animosity or anything bad. Just listen to my story. But it, it, it appears, the years that I've lived in this state, I'm not dumb. It appears that people think Denver is up here and Springs is right there with them and then there's poor Pueblo. Am, am I right in that? That is the mentality of our whole state. Oh, there's three cities that are major cities in our state of Colorado. We have Denver, we have Colorado Springs and then Pueblo way down there. And I said, Lord, it just seems like that's the way it is. And, and I just started praying. And I know I got this illustration from God because I'm not as wise as my wife. Because, anyway, so I, I started thinking, yeah, we're the Cinderella. We are the Cinderella of the state. Raggedy clothes, soot all over our face, not respected very well. We are the Cinderella. And the Lord says, yes, 
you are. But the good news is, I'm going to put a gown on you like nobody's ever seen. And I'm going to bring you to the ball in such style that everybody's going to take notice. Wow! I said, Lord! And just like David, he says, David says, I'm, this is going to happen so the people may know. Not about David, but about God. For Pueblo to be elevated in everybody's eyesight, that would have to be a God thing. And I'm not making light of that. It's just because the mentality of the whole state. I mean, you can go, I mean, Ron will even vouch this for me. I go to Denver with Ron quite a few times. And, you know, you can just talk with people and they go, and you say, oh, you're from Pueblo. Oh. <laughs> Enough said. I, you don't have to get the interpretation of that. Do you understand? You don't have to go, oh. It's kind of like, so sorry. And so, uh, I just, I was thinking about that this morning, and the Lord says, yeah, you're right, you're, you're the Cinderella. You're the Cinderella of the state. But the thing is that Cinderella had her time, and when it was her time, the other two sisters, the other two cities took notice and said, that, that looks like Cinderella. Is that Cinderella? That's Cinderella. Where did she get that dress? And those shoes, look at her. And not only that, everybody's parted ways and, ooh, the king is taking notice of her. The king is dancing with her. The king likes her. I said, Lord, you can do that. He says, yeah, and you need to start thinking like, like that. And you need to get your church to think like that. And you need to get the people to start praying and doing something about that. Now listen, I'm talking about a, a city, but I also think this. You may think you're the Cinderella of your family or the Cinderella that nobody respects or honors. And the Lord says this message is for you individually as well as corporately. You just need to believe that God is your father. And he's bringing you to a ball. He will provide the clothing. He will provide, I mean, the transportation. He will provide all that you need, has provided all that you need, but you need to take notice and believe in the covenant. Just like David believed it. Everybody, oh yeah, I believe, I know about the covenant. No, you need to be like David and go, yes, what is this going to happen? This is uncircumcised. This is not covenant people. We are covenant people. And we can't give our city, our nation, our job, anything to the devil and just say, well, you know, that's, that's just how it goes. No. We need to be like David and go, I'm going to stand here and fight the enemy and I'm going to remove its head from its carcass and feed it to the fowls of the air. And this is going to be a rated R type thing. Are you hearing me? Praise God. Can you believe that? So you got to think. And let me just say this. When I was meditating on that, I thought, there's not a pastor I know. Listen to me. There's not a pastor friend. I know a lot of pastors. There's not a pastor that I know. If I had a church of 5,000 people, they'd go, wow, Mike. Man, you have done. Whew. 
And I thought, yeah, Lord, you're right. He goes, wow, over 100,000 people go to hell. Are you getting this? The Lord's not, he, we're going to be looking for a bigger building. We are. But the, the, it's not about just having a bigger church. It's about taking our city for the kingdom of God. You know this? You probably, I, I heard this statistic. You know when Saul, he was taking territory when he was the king. When David became king, and the years that he led Israel, he took over 400% more territory than Saul. Over 400%. Why? God is interested in his kingdom ruling and reigning on this earth. If you don't believe that, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So people say, well, we just don't know the will of God. But you can get any believer just about to say, is there sickness in heaven? No, no sickness in heaven. Any grieving, depression in heaven? No. Poverty? No. How about the earth? Yeah, we got it down here, man. But what is the will of God? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. Well, come on, let's just start thinking and believing like that. Let's be like David and not Saul. You know, we got the covenant, we got the power, we got the ability because of the grace of God. But we're in the trenches because there's giants out there. In Pueblo, there's drugs and there's bad stuff going on. There's crime. Let's just stay in the walls of our church. Be safe. There's a teaching by... Lance Walnow, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He taught it years ago. It's called uh, Seven Mountains. Have you ever heard of that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Have you ever wondered if you're 50 or older, like me, barely? That we live in a different world than we did when we were growing up. I mean, when I was nine years old, my mom had no clue where I was at the majority of my, my life. I rode my bike for miles away on busy streets and, and nobody thought I was going to get kidnapped, stolen, or whatever. Nine years old, man. Somebody had asked Mike, where's Mike? He's in Kentucky. He can't ride his bike that far. But it was a different world in which we grew up in that we are living today. And it's not a better world. Oh yeah, the technology is better, but the value system, the morality, all of that has changed. What shapes and changes a nation? The last 30, 40 years this nation has radically changed. What changed? How did our nation change? It's quite simple. The there's each mountain is going to represent the first one is religion. Now the reason I didn't say Christianity because a nation 
like in the Middle East or whatever, it's going to be Islam. That's what shapes, changes, influences. Let's say that word. Influences uh, the nation. And then you have families. You know that the, um, the Jewish families, in America I think it's only 2%, but wherever they go, they connect their religion and they embrace their religion. It does not affect how they live and they can change culture and influence culture based upon their strong belief system. If you don't believe that, you look at science, whether it's Einstein to uh, the Hollywood. Th I mean, there's Jews in every department that have in medical realm. They've influenced every culture. After that, we have education. You want to influence a nation or a city? You affect the education. The majority of our colleges in America do not have or embrace our value system. They don't want anything to do with God. For example, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, those colleges when they started were Christian colleges with biblical foundation. Today you can't even preach the gospel on those campuses. They will throw you out. How do you shape? How does culture get changed? You affect their education. The next one is media. All of the, you know, when I was young, as a teenager, I thought, well, if the newscaster said it, then that was the gospel truth. And then I got older and I thought, he's not telling it right. I don't even watch the news anymore. Why? Because I don't want to hear how they curve things and, and make it seem like what they want to. And they do that. They in, why? They're wanting to influence our nation. They want to influence our city. The next one's government. How do they do? How do they influence? Well, they're the ones who make the laws. We have abortion that's totally legal today because of our government. So they influence uh, a nation and can change a nation. Then arts and entertainment. I mean Hollywood. I mean, did you watch the Super Bowl? And uh, you may not notice this, but I noticed this. The commercials and a lot of those Super Bowl commercials, they weren't just to sell a product. They were trying to sell an agenda. When I was a kid growing up, I mean... Entertainment was to make you laugh and have a good time. Now, entertainment is we have a political thing we're trying to get you to adjust to. And then the last one is the business world. People in big businesses, they can affect the culture, the influence of a city. So why am I talking about all this? Well, there are gatekeepers in the top of these that influence everything down. Whoever's in charge of these is in charge of the mountain, which in reality will influence or change a city or a nation. That's how America was changed. Why? 25% of the people who don't have Christian values, who embrace what we believe, have been in charge of these gates for the last 30, 40 years. 
Now, some of them may come in and out, but for the most part, the last 30 to 40 years, people in these places have embraced things that we don't believe. And they have changed the United States of America. And what the church has done, we'll put Christianity in here, we've built a wall in here to keep us safe and we have not infiltrated any of these. But we're trying to get people saved. You see what's going on? I said, do you see what's going on? So what God is saying is, the government shall be upon his shoulders. This is what God is saying. Oh, this is good, and I'm almost out of time. The church, God is saying, is over all of this. You know what's so important about this? There's gates in all of these that have not been the right people. I mean, can you imagine like Morgan? She's in education. What if we had somebody like Morgan at the top being a gatekeeper? What kind of values would change in our education system? Are you seeing what I'm saying? If you had the right people that represented God, but this is what God is saying. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So what God is saying, these gatekeepers are going to change because the gates of hell are not going to prevail against His church. So we need to believe God. Because when I was growing up, you know, you just, now watch it, don't get so caught up in your business. You know, just, you know, make sure God is the number one thing. And so we backed away from, from all of these. And dear Lord, whatever you do, don't send a Christian to, enter, to Hollywood to entertainment. So fine, we didn't. So hell has risen now in Hollywood. I mean, we used to see Dick Van Dyke and Laura Petrie, you know, but they were in separate beds. They wouldn't even, you know, 40, 50 years ago, they wouldn't even put them in the same bed, show it on TV. Now, boy, they're showing a lot more than just people in the same bed. What happened? Oh, because the church, we don't want anything to do with this. So, yeah, the devil says, I'll take that spot. And the devil says, I'll take this spot. And the devil goes, I'll take that spot. And the devil goes, I'll take this spot and this spot and this spot. And you know what? I'll even take this spot. I'm going to take your spot. Deception. And the church goes, we're going to win souls. Yeah, we should win souls. But God is interested in territory. And Matthew says he wants us to make disciples of nations. Nations. He's concerned about nations. Territory. If he wasn't, he would have told David, just quit, put the sword up, just cut it out. I'm not interested in taking land. Obviously, he was in, interested in taking land. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's, it's what he's all, he wants the whole planet. We're believing for Pueblo. God is saying, I want the whole planet. He says, I want the Middle East. I want Iraq. I want Russia. I want all the hard places that nobody wants to go to. You know, we're going to take up an offering for Stephanie. For those who don't know, Stephanie's been here. She's leaving tonight, but she's been here for a little over less than two weeks. Stephanie is Melody's sister. She runs a school in uh, the Congo. And uh, she has about 1,200 students. And the reason she only has 1,200 because that's all they can hold. 
they'd have more. My point is this. She may not realize this, but in the Congo, she's right there. She has the greatest school in the whole nation. People come to her and look to her school because it's so great. They beg her to let their child in. You know, they have to pay tuition. And, and it's totally ran, and they are a Christian school. I'm telling you, because of that, she will affect more than just having a church. We have to think bigger and believe bigger, give bigger, and be a greater influence. God is not just looking for a drop in a pond. He's looking for a, a tsunami. And I just challenge you like the Lord challenged me when I said, yes, Lord, a church of 5,000, that just kind of like, whoa, 5,000. And the Lord goes, really? That overwhelms you? Because I'm believing for the whole city. I'm believing for the whole city. I'm just stirring you up to think differently, to think bigger. Why? Because God wants to use you in this. You're, you'll be part of the equation in this. God is going to use people, His people, in affecting this. Whether it's the business realm, whether it's the entertainment, the government, the media, the education, and the family realm, we need to have Christian families and we need to tear down this wall that I don't know how it happened, the wall that says, well, you know, the church is separate from the rest of the world. No, because God is saying, my church is the world and everything is underneath God's church. He's the head of this thing. Woo! That's a great introduction. I'm out of time. But you chew on that this week. You believe that God wants to use you. Lord, how can you use me in this? I have no idea, but I, I don't know how God's going to use, you know, a church about 150 people. I have no idea. Lord, how can 150? He says, well, I do know one thing. The church started with 120, and it affected Everywhere, 120. That's where it started. And the next day, 3,000 when Peter got up and preached. And it started rolling from there and there and there. God is interested in nations. And he's not interested in Pueblo staying down like a Cinderella in the soot and raggedy clothes. But he needs some people to believe in the covenant not just know about the covenant but he needs some people to believe in the covenant and that we're part of that and we can make a difference because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world David didn't face that giant like you know I've been practicing a lot I think I can get this down no he didn't even look to himself at all what did he say the God who you're coming against you're not, just, you're not coming against me. And I'm not coming against you in my own flesh. I'm coming against you in the name of all names. I'm coming against you in the name of God Jehovah. He's, he's not only God Jehovah. I'm telling you what. He's going to get people in places like this. And he's going to be Jehovah sneaky. The world's not even going to know what's going on. There's a lot of chaos that's going on in this nation right now. And I'm telling you what. God is pulling the rug out from underneath everybody. I'm right? You ought to be excited. Don't get the, oh, there's, there's stuff going on in this nation. And yeah, and what the devil has meant for evil, 
God is going to turn this around. This nation will be stronger and better and greater than it ever has before. And it's going to be a church that is going to rule and to reign forever and ever and ever. That's my father. And he says, I'm not left America out. Has it changed? Yes, it has. Has it been forsaken? Never. Never. Never has, never will. Can you say amen? Let's stand.